0: This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network.
1: We start hour two, and uh, we, we, we're we going to praise, and, and this, this this is how you intro a guy, and he feels praised and bashed all at one time, mm-hmm. because he's one of the smartest people I've ever met Uh huh. with the brokest jumper that Courtney's going to say he's ever seen. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Kansas City Barbecue Pit Hotlines. AD, Adrian Carson Whoa. joins us. Uh, Courtney's not very kind to your jumper.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know the thing is, you don't have to have a jump shot if you can get to the bucket. That's
1: true. That's what I said. I go. I probably back in the day uh, would have would have made fun of Adrian's shot, but I couldn't stop him from getting to the basket. So, but I mean, hey. how, how could you get any shots off when a guy like Courtney or your brother Chris, were never going to let you shoot anyway. <laughs>
2: um, you know, those are just those those are just battles where uh, they do a whole lot of fouling. <laughs> you
0: know, hey, Adrian. Hey, you do what you can, you know. Hey, man. Hey, AD, quick question. Yeah. Eric Lee was on your Gus Macker team when your team uh, beat uh, Chris and I team, Chris and my team, a while um, ago. Yeah. I remember you, was, you had some white guys, so we kind of took it light. We just knew we was going to win this game. Trust
1: me, I didn't take any credit for the win. <laughs> I
0: said, oh, yeah. AD got some white guys on the scene. Oh, yeah, we got this.
2: <laughs> no, no, but, yeah, I think the, the most heartbreaking part of that was that, you know, me, Brian, we're out here thinking all of these people who came to watch this game, family included, that they came to watch us as well. Yeah. Family members were just as upset that we won <laughs> as anybody. Right. Like,
1: oh. It was pretty quiet after that game. It was different. <laughs> it
0: was different. Chris and Di, we weren't used to losing, man. Uh,
1: was, and so when <laughs> we did. I, that had to be one of the greatest we looked at accomplishments like accomplishments of what? AD's career as a beat crit. We lost to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, y'all played like a MAGA team. We played like a team. Yeah, you got a point, man. Get the we ball to point. BT. But we definitely had some. I'm some pretty the... sure. I'm pretty sure Craig was our fourth, wasn't it? Wasn't it eighty?
2: Um, I think it was Tim. Tim Day.
1: Oh, okay. okay. So we Oh, I would have never remembered playing with Tim. That's right. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Tim, Tim had the defense too. You know, we played soccer together.
1: That's right. <laughs> That yeah. was a different
0: kind of basketball. I don't know what the secret was, man, but I think it's cause AD knew how to, oh, how to play Chris and oh. he knew all they gonna do is pass to each other and spread out and let them AD, and go one on one. One thing I remember was
1: AD did not stop talking to Chris the entire
0: game. <laughs> AD was the only person. <laughs> AD got, that's why I'm saying he got the wisdom and the knowledge. He was the only person that could literally get to Chris, man, for some reason. That's how it's been ever since I've known, you
1: yeah. know, yeah. they, Ad was the guy that could get to Chris. And I another big it. secret was I didn't touch the uh, I didn't touch the floor. So, <laughs> I know there wasn't on your, nobody on your team. I was guarding. Hey, quick
0: question, <laughs> Ad, Ad. I've yeah. never known you to sing a song. I kn- you, you're like my favorite rapper, you're one of the best rappers I know, but I've never known you to sing a song. What song do you sing in the shower?
2: Sing a song in the shower. You know, I don't really. Uh, well, you know, I, okay, I'm not gonna lie to me, but, Um I I listen to a lot of Tony, 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 like wow. in the in between times. So yeah, uh, you know it depends on it depends which record depends on on the day. But you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm really singing so much as I'm just kind of like I'm imagining myself singing, but I don't, you know, I don't really be singing loud.
1: I did. I would. Tony, Tony, Tony <laughs> would have been in the top thousand <laughs> right. guesses. Hey, man. hey Eric,
0: this, this yeah I gotta say this man because he yeah. AD looks like my grandmother more than anybody I know for yeah. some reason. Man, oh yeah. he got her nose. Her lips, her smile, her you know, handles, her her, in, her handles. Yeah. I think her
1: intelligence as well. Uh, it, it took me. I knew. I always knew he was a smart guy. Hank. Uh-huh. Was, yeah, but but you, he's gone on. What you, what you've been doing professionally has been mind blowing. Yeah, um, you're, you're Right now, and we ha, we just jumped into this as friends and haven't even handled this professionally. Adrian is the <laughs> assistant professor of hip hop at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're now a member of the Milliken University Alumni Board. Yep, um, and and. It, what what why do I talk, a contributor or, or no okay you're a co-editor of the of the Global Hip Hop Studies Journal for In the Cypher what is in the cypher help me out with what that is
2: uh we'll be looking at the kinds of things that people will i mean so it's, you know global hip hop journal be essays and um hopefully okay. music videos music comma videos or whatever you know interviews those kinds of things so that particular part is about the stuff that's coming from practitioners, people who make music or people who, uh, who paint, people who dance. And, uh, so I'll be co-editing uh, that piece for the journal.
1: Okay. And that's a one-time piece or it's a regular? No, no, no.
2: This is, this is, this will be ongoing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that, that hasn't started yet.
2: It it has. I mean, I just joined the, I joined I that, uh, maybe uh, I was asked about a month or two ago Okay. And, was just official maybe last month. Sometime. So
1: so it's kind of a digital newsletter. It sounds like essentially.
2: No, it's a, it was an academic journal. Okay. But, um, yeah. Academic journal. Be, gotcha. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. And then uh, you know the the Millikan Alumni Board is that something you ever even thought of? I mean I don't know I don't I don't know if that's a is that a goal of people as a guy that didn't finish college? I don't know.
2: No. Well, it wasn't it wasn't one of my goals. I think that you know, it's kind of twofold. Part of it is because the folks who asked me to be uh, part of it are people that I trust. And then the other part is that, you know, if I have my longstanding um, relationship, you know, with and against universities, I think that this is a way that uh, all of the work that I find myself doing or that I found myself doing in places like South Carolina when I was at Clemson and here at UVA being um, in in Virginia, um, I can also put some of my energy into doing similar kinds of work in Decatur and at the university from which I got my, you know, like my um, undergraduate degree.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And so the kinds of change, the, the transformative change that I believe um, should happen and I hope uh, will happen in the places where, where I am is also the kind of thing that I could help facilitate and have a, a better relationship with the, the university that I come from. And hopefully that's going to be a tie with the community there in Decatur. And so then I'm not just talking about it in some kind of abstract terms. Sure. I have – uh, the ability, and I'm also challenged to do some work right there um, in Decatur, uh, particularly at Milliken. But hopefully, that challenge will always be filtered through my experience and my life as um, a person who's from Decatur with family still in Decatur. Yeah,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. Well, oh, plenty. There's plenty of it. Plenty. In yeah, plenty. Um, you. What, what? What does being on the board? Like, what? What does that? How much uh, is that time-consuming thing? Is that a monthly thing? Is that uh, how many, and how many members are
2: there? Um, I don't, I, I think, I feel like they put out a press release sometime. Uh, yeah, I should have found um, that. Yeah. But, um, the Zoom calls, <laughs> there's a lot of people on Zoom. Yeah, uh, I okay. don't know for sure how many, how many members there are uh, currently. You
1: can get a voice in there though.
2: But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I th- again, I believe that the ask comes from, and, you know, it's a process that you go through a nomination and, you know, like I'm, I presume that they vote, but, like, all of that um, is, it, for me, it was a, a matter of respect that folks weren't asking just to say that, you know, like, who, uh, whoever this person is, is uh, someone who's a part of this team. I feel like it was a, it was a respectful, it was an ask out of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then knowing that I will, that I am a person who will speak up and, and will issue challenges when they need to be issued and, uh, and also listen whenever I need to listen and that that won't be a thing that will be perceived as um as disrespect or uh you know something that's against that board or that's against the university in the same way that I say you know in my criticisms um of uh, of you know like of homework generally or of the university or of, of uh you know Clemson where I, you know I got my PhD or even where I work currently um I'm not I'm not issuing challenges because um, I, I hate the place. Um, issuing challenges because the places that say that they are welcoming should actually be welcoming.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: yeah. know, that they should do the things that they say that they claim to do and they should do those things for all of the people who are there in those places. And, you know, with regard to universities, I I also hope that the consideration is the communities that those universities are in. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like folks are coming, you know, folks are coming into Decatur uh, for four years for part of the year. Yeah. And then they're going back to wherever they're from. But folks in Decatur, folks who live in Decatur live in Decatur. And, you know, some of them are going to live there for, for their lives. Even some of the folks at the university are going to move and then like make make their lives in Decatur. Yeah. And um, it shouldn't be something that we start to think about, you know, how the relationship between the, the university and the the relationship between the university and the community shouldn't be a thing that we only start to think about when we move into the community. Gotcha.
1: Right, right. You know, you I'd, know, I'd like to say, though, the, the world, we've had a lot of things happen in the world. I'd like to say there's been changes, but it's kind of yeah. the, it's kind of the same old world <laughs> that we're familiar with in, in a lot of different ways, which is scary. Are, are you starting to see any any positive movement? We, You know, this this show, we stress, have conversations, talk a little bit. Um, yeah. start crossing, start crossing what you might see as an invisible barrier. Who can, mm-hmm. who cares? Um, you know, just spread love, you know, are, are you seeing any positive come out of what's happened in the last nine months, uh, you know, in the world of, of race relations?
2: Yeah. You know, well, the thing is, I I feel it's pre- it's pretty difficult to, 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 for me to frame it in that way. Mm-hmm. And the reason, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the reason I find it difficult to frame it in sort of a, a progress narrative, um, is because, I believe that um you know, I had this really hilarious conversation with uh it's like through uh d m s with uh James Lowen, the historian sociologist guy who uh wrote lies my teacher told me he's from uh Decatur and uh-huh. um he said that he moved from Decatur in nineteen fifty five and um but you know, in his book that came mm-hmm. out, I believe in nineteen ninety five he talks about um um he, he talks about, you know, like the ways that history books uh, falsely tell, or they tell, you know, it's bad history that kind of apologizes for, um, you know, horrible people across American history, you know, okay. particularly white supremacists, uh, you know, nationalists, uh, terrorists, et cetera. Um, and uh, when I sent him the link to this uh, new album, I Used to Love to Dream, he, <clears throat> he told me that he read it, uh, but, you know, like he, he said, like, yeah, I didn't listen to it, I, I wanted more. And uh, and I I get that, you know, he's 78 years old, Uh, but he also uh, he, he asked the question about whether Decatur is better now than it was in 1955. And I think that that is it's understandable that somebody would ask a question like that. Is it better now than it was in 1955? Uh, because um, I don't know if you all saw on the I think the census release and that it says that Decatur is one of the, you know, like the fastest shrinking cities in the country. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, like there's a USA Today poll that came out um, a, a minute ago said that Decatur was like one of the one of the top 15 worst places for to African live for Americans. black people. Right. And and my response to that isn't to automatically try to defend Decatur or to try to defend like my coming up there or to try to defend all of the you know, like the the, the way that they made that list. When when we do that, then I think that maybe we also negate the reality of, like, that those statistics or that those lists point to. And so to ask someone if the hell that your parents or your grandparents went through is somehow worse than the hell that you are going through without acknowledging that you are actively actually going through hell right now seems to be a kind of cruel question to ask a person if they're going and living through hell. mm mm-hmm. So my question would be what can we do to make the hell that we're living with less hellish what can we do to make that better rather than comparing uh and saying that you should be glad that you're not dealing with what your grandmother dealt with because like I know my grandma struggled but I know my grandma wouldn't want to wouldn't say to me like well at least you got it better than me she would want me to thrive and so the right. question would be what does thriving look like right now for people and 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 then we can talk about uh, the, the strides that we are making, but using that as momentum to make thriving possible right now, rather than talking about how um, all of this, the, like the progress narrative, I think, sometimes kills the momentum because people say, well, we're living Martin Luther King's dream. And again, like to ask, you know, to, to it, it seems to be like a like a bait and switch in our language because, you know, Martin Luther King, he, well, he didn't realize this dream. He was also murdered, you know, and oh, because right. he was because he was murdered, I mean, to ask, like, over the course of his life, did things get better? Well, he wasn't murdered until the end of his life. So if we're thinking about like this on some kind of continuum from like a then to a now and like then is always worse than now. And uh, we always try to evaluate our nows as better than our thens, or you know, like uh, the other way. This is how some of these politicians talk about it. You know, talking about making things great again, and things have gotten so bad now. Yeah. Um, I think that we're being dishonest in the conversation that we're having about what now really feels like, and what the uh, and and what the needs are for so many of the folks who are overlooked in the now.
1: No, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I mean, and and I and I guess when I ask, I assume. Um, and, and maybe a lot of people don't understand that. And, and I think, I think you'd know, but you just wanted to specify for sure. But I just met in the last year since we talked, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, do do, do you, you know, do you feel like at least conversations are growing? You also live in a different part of the world. You're in Charlottesville, Virginia, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and you were in Clemson, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that, that you helped, uh, reveal part of history down there and. And, and all everything you're doing is good is it reflecting? do you feel like you're doing good? Are you seeing things happen from what you're doing or just from what the world's doing in the well,
2: you know I, I'll say it this way I have hope you know like hope is the thing that motivates the work that I do
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um and and so again, like over, even over the past year, I think that what has been revealed is you know, like the kind of the kind of hell certain folks are going through. And 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 that being revealed, I suppose, is a good thing so that we can all work uh, on it so that we can all kind of be in it and try to to come up with some solutions. Um, But, you know, those revelations for some folks, it's like, yo, I'm I'm mad tired right now. And I've been dealing with this for the past, you know, 10 years. And now folks are coming to this this uh this knowledge or this understanding that these things are going on and wanting to now they like try to bring me along and I'm like well you know I've been out here my feet <laughs> hurt you know my arms hurt I've been you know been out here like stomping protesting marching et cetera. and so the idea that like some folks have come to the understanding that things are going on it's a great thing i think that having uh people who are able and willing to um, to, to, to fight with you is a great thing.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and I think that if that, if that's a way that makes us, if that's something that makes us feel better about the work that we have yet to do, then I'm all about us, uh, having that be the narrative that invites us into it and helps to propel us forward. Yeah. I just always want to caution us against the narrative that is going to stop the momentum, uh, toward, uh, the, the, the more just, Mm-hmm. World that we want to 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 live in, and I don't think that we've gotten there because as these revelations no, no. come, then there are revelations of the ways that people actively uh, and consistently attempt to thwart the justice that we're looking for. Right. In
0: the words of AD, things are things are looking familiar. In that one of yeah. your songs, man. Yes,
2: yes, boy, is familiar. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah, boy, is familiar. Hey, man, you've been <laughs> pretty prophetic, in as it relates to a being AD the great, and you've done some great things. Uh, you have you wrapped your uh, thesis. Am I right about that?
2: Dissertation.
0: Dissert- yo, sorry, your dissertation. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that process, man. Was it tenuous? How how did that work? And what made you want to wrap it?
1: And take and, and take that answer into your current work, which is, I don't even know how you get your brain around this stuff to do a mixtape mm-hmm. essay. You're, I, I I can't even figure out. What you did mm-hmm. and how many different formats and mm-hmm. levels that this delivers on and and, and you kind of create this this format. So take take us from dissertation on through uh I used to love to dream.
2: Okay, where well, yeah. So I mean first, you know, I want to say that, you know, I'm always kind of thinking of um thinking of, of hip hop and like rap writing as a kind of methodology. So not like hmm, how can I say it? so I'm just thinking about the these these questions about race and place and literature, history, rhetorics, performance. I'm thinking about all of those things in in the form that the work takes is rap music. Um, And, you know, like thinking um, about how we might layer samples or how we might, might take a piece of media that exists and then turn it into something new. And the new thing for me is always generally a rap song or something that sounds very close to a rap song. Mm. Um, I think that rap, Or, well, let me say first, I don't think that this is a special kind of rap or anything. I'm not doing like I'm not inventing a genre of rap. It's just like the rap that I've known that I've loved since I was really, really little. You know, like me and Chris back in the day used to like, well, we used to write battle raps against each other, Mm -hmm. uh, Jew as well. Um, And but I think that rap is already uh, racialized. And um, and you might see that there's an essay that, that goes along with the album called uh, Rap and Storytellingly Invention, um, <clears throat> where I kind of talk about what uh, Sylvia Winter talks about uh, genres of human. Um, So um, all of these things are things that the rap that I always loved has always done. And uh, because I appreciate that kind of music, that's the kind of music that I try to create. And so you see that. Um, in, like, the, the, the track See the Stripes from uh, my dissertation, Owning My Masters, The Rhetorics of Rhymes and Revolution. And that seemed to intersect, because I was talking about Clemson, yeah. it seemed to intersect with uh, activism that was happening across the, the United States. You think about, like, the uh, University of, uh, like, the Missouri football team, uh, you know, things that were going on uh, in in Ferguson, in um, Stockton, California, the Roads Must Fall um, campaigns, uh, even, you know, like there are activists that I, that I linked up with, you know, met in uh, Sydney, Australia. And all of that work was really just me making the kind of music that I made when I was at home. And then when I lived in Springfield, it's just that I wasn't living in Decatur or Springfield anymore. I was living in Clemson, South Carolina. And so I was responding to what was happening in Clemson and also responding to what I was reading as a doctoral student. And I've continued to do that after uh, graduating and then coming here to Charlottesville and so there was Sleepwalking Volume 1, which really just takes place from the time I graduated from Clemson up until I started teaching my first class and over the time that the Unite the Right rally happened here. And mm-hmm. I did Sleepwalking Volume 2, which is a much shorter project, and it's just kind of talking about the language. Uh, like, how do you act in language against, uh, you know, active um, and, uh, you know, persistent white supremacy, a kind of violence that is always around you? What is the appropriate response to this violence that's always around you? And then I Used to Love to Dream was really more the... Um, I did another uh, mixtape in there that was called uh, Battle Royale, or it's called The Royale, but it was... Um, um, yeah, it was about this. It was the music for a play that was put on here oh, okay. um, in Charlottesville. So then... I used to love to dream was me thinking about uh, like trying to like thinking about all of this stuff that's going on here in Charlottesville and and thinking about all of the things that are going on back there in Decatur Mm -hmm. and wondering how can I, with any kind of, um, with, with any kind of, um, I I want to say, how can I I speak in, in a way that, that feels consistent with, my, uh, my, 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 my ethics, my morals, Uh um, and, and have credibility in speaking about the issues that are going on at home. And I thought the best way to be able to do that is through memory because I don't live there anymore. Mm. And, Mm. uh, so thinking about like the difference between here, 2020 or 2019 in Charlottesville and there growing up in Decatur became a, a, a great way to be able to try to connect the 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 um, the then and the now, the right. here and the there. And right. um and so it's the, it's similar to all of those projects, except that I'm trying to do like the, the geo specific thing. The thing about location is kind of like a location in my memory and how that location corresponds to what is actually happening in Decatur now.
1: Mm. Yeah. you. Gotcha. Where, where can people hear it? Where where are you sending
2: them? Um, so you can go to the University of Michigan um, Press website, and that's where you can get the essay. There's a documentary. My uh, one of my brothers is interviewed in there, and my and my mom, and um, you know, <clears throat> picture of uh, grandma's house is is in there. My mm. pops crib, um, and uh, also, uh, well, Courtney, I ain't gonna say that. Never mind. Uh,
1: what happened? <laughs>
2: stories. Do you, do you remember you almost shot me?
0: I was going to talk about that. How come you never talk about me <laughs> Courtney, almost shooting you, man?
2: Courtney almost <laughs> shot me in my face. I am laughing, but it is not funny. It is Courtney real. Courtney almost shot me in my face when we were in high school.
0: Yeah. Good girl. I, um, was, I was misguided. <laughs> he was on the right track. I was on the wrong track. <laughs> I was Courtney carrying a, guns.
2: gun. had a pistol in his pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty transparent. You can talk about it.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. just saying. You know, like, I'm
0: pretty this, transparent.
2: It's family. Courtney knocked on the door came in. He's like, he's rattled It's me and Chris sitting in, in my pop's living room. And, uh, and Courtney is like, uh, you know, man, like, I don't know. I can't remember what he said. And then he came in and he was like, you know, somebody's after me or whatever, uh, you know? And, and so he pulls the gun out and I'm like, well, what are you doing with this gun? And he's like, you know, it's people trying to, you know, come coming after me. And so the gun is cocked and I'm like, well, you need to, <laughs> You need to uncock the gun. Like, this is not safe. Also, we're indoors, and it's just us three here.
0: Yeah.
2: And so uh, Courtney is like, oh, yeah, okay, I know how to do it. And so he, like, tries to uh, disarm the gun Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to help him disarm the gun, and the gun goes off, and it just so happens that it's pointed over my left shoulder rather than at my face. Yeah, oh, my gosh. And so the bullet goes through a picture of my Aunt Linda and into the wall
0: yeah in the bullet in the bullet hole is still there I think
2: bullet hole is still there we yeah. tried to clean it up a <laughs> um, d told on the talk about a story to hide from your, your parents <laughs> <laughs> right. God.
1: You God. talk about a story to try to hide yeah that would have been
0: I'm so happy that God spared uh, a d and me at yeah. a particular point in time because he had some phenomenal things for both of us to do well, a d yes. quick question what <laughs> what verse would you have wanted grandmother? to hear today what verse would you want her to hear
2: uh you know ampersand i think i said uh you know i was gifted as a child granny listened and said it um told me to le- never bury my talents give it and spread it learn mm. from a bible lessons much more than i give them credit so really my synesthesia is more like a synesthetic
0: mm. <laughs> man I, hey Eric,
1: I love it's this stuff. It's off the guy, top man. of his head. It's off the top is hey, it? head. I love I you, I said this man. last I time he was in, I'm not smart enough to have a conversation with anymore. <laughs> and just everything goes over my head. I just like, real. can I listen to the music now? <laughs> <laughs> right. AD, how do you answer the I think a lot of people don't associate with hip hop. And, and I think and probably a lot of white people, but older people, uh because they hear cuss words cuz they they hear they don't you know, they they don't listen to the storytelling. Uh right. what, what do you what do you say to to, to people that go, why do you got to cuss so much?" Because because you' um, you're, you have frontal advisory on your stuff too,
2: yeah, 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 of course, but you know the thing is it's like um yeah the the well, part of it is just the the nature of language, I think that people use language um in order to include people, and I think that people use language in order to exclude people, and so if you feel like uh, if you feel like I'm not talking to you, it's probably because I'm not talking to you, okay mm-hmm. and um and so like the, the the idea that it's supposed to be for you um it's it's kind of a, i mean it's a poor assumption to begin with that um now so i when i was working over in springfield at uh quiddity um and uh trying and doing these workshops about about uh poetry out loud and and um rap on the page um yeah and and there were lots of older people who came to those sessions because they wanted to know what their children or grandchildren were, were listening to. And I would have to tell them that you have, you, you probably need to be understanding of the fact that the audience to this is somebody other than you, and then try to in, embrace or to, to hear it in the ears or, you know, at least thinking about the audience for it. And then that might make it a little, um, you know, it might make it less challenging. Okay. and And if that's, um, go ahead.
1: I was just, yeah, yeah. I, I was just agreeing. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in in that way, um, I believe that you know I'm having to pretend to care about what F. Scott Fitzgerald is talking about, or what um, you know, whatever yeah. whatever the stuff you know, like whoever you know, like the Canterbury Tales is written for.
0: Yeah. Whenever
2: I'm in when I when I'm in high school or whenever I'm teaching, and so um, I know that audiences who aren't the target audience for rap can tune in enough to attempt to get it and then think about audience, that's not a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. I think that, that folks' unwillingness uh, shows, well, not just like a lack of imagination and lack of creativity. I think that that res- resistance reveals something about their character.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
2: they need to be thinking about that. Well, what does it say about me that I'm not going to give this rap album or this rap music a chance? What does it say about how I think about who I believe those people to be or who I believe those people to be talking to? And if you say that you care about the people that the music is for and that it is uh, to, then I think that that care would be enough to, um, to, to ease your listening practices into trying to get where it's coming from and who it's going to.
0: Yeah. AD, do you know that you have done as a rapper something that no other rapper on the face of the earth has done with that hmm. dissertation? <laughs> no other no other person, not just a rapper, but hmm. person in the world has done what you've done. Do oh, you know that?
2: Yeah. Sometimes you gotta do stuff. <laughs> Sometimes
0: you gotta, <laughs> Sometimes do, you gotta do, stuff. do stuff. What do you want your legacy to be?
2: Uh, you know, I, that's not for me to say, man. I just like I, I wanna continue to to do stuff. I want to make work that is, um, I mean, I want to make work that's, that's challenging and I want, um, I want people to engage, you know, like I really, um, you know, I want people to earnestly like listen to the music, think about it as art, think about it as music, think about it as scholarship. Um, I want people to, um, you know, like share the music with people that they care about. I want people to have conversations with folks that they care about. Right. Um, I want folks to have conversations with people they say they care about. And then I want them to actually care about them uh, and to act in ways that demonstrate their care and love for mm-hmm. them. Um, and, um, you know, just for people to listen over and over uh, because I think that there's a, there, there's quite a bit there. I mean, right. that's the music, but I also want the music in these projects to open up space for folks who desire to do different kinds of things and to do other kinds of things. Uh, So for me, this project isn't really so much about me and what I've made. It's about the potential that exists for uh, other, other people to uh, create in these spaces, uh, these spaces that are called academic, if they so choose for people who want like, you know, young musicians in Decatur who also want to go to university and study. Right.
0: Right. Is that what what, this Dr. A.D. is saying to young A.D., the little guy that was in the newspaper with the big head that won that award? Is that what you're saying (laughs) to the young? (laughs) The
2: (laughs) the thing is, like that, that was I mean, I remember I remember being back like back then. And I know exactly the picture you're talking about. um, But that was a product of a teacher who who cared a whole lot. I had an art teacher there at Roosevelt who was uh, who was in Incredibly generous with her time and her energy and her um and her effort in allowing me to be a creative artist. Mm-hmm. She was with me every day after school working uh, while I was working on that project. I remember in fourth grade, Mrs. Graves made sure to give me these uh, poetry anthologies to take home, so I had my own poetry books because she knew right. that I wrote poems. I mm-hmm. remember um, Mrs. Lauderdale when I was in uh, high school telling me because Gwendolyn Brooks liked my poetry that it might be better for me to go to the library and work on my poetry mm. um, rather than anything that she might be doing in the classroom because mm-hmm. I had a teacher wow. who I was working on projects wow.
0: with. Yeah.
2: And so I think that um, any of those things that I might have been in the newspaper about, there were uh, dozens of people who were supporting me and holding me up and like, and, and working with me. Uh to 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 help that I was just telling somebody else that uh you know grandma was a person like that as well when you know she was working there at uh eisenhower and um and and what I said was it it kind of made me jealous when I was there because um when when I <laughs> saw her at school uh-huh um it was the realization that I had to share my grandma with everybody.
0: Right. I had the <laughs> she same experience. At right, she really and, was.
2: Um, and you know me, you know like I'm you know grandma's big head boy, you know like so <laughs> Right. Um, I'm I'm like yo like that's my grandma though. That's, hey, my, Eric. that's like my real grandma. And she, you all school grandma.
0: Uh, she was, uh, AD was her big head boy, and <laughs> I was her black boy.
2: <laughs> it's my big head boy.
0: That's you're all right. Hey, AD, he, he wants people, he,
1: if you're going to go looking for newspaper clippings, he wants people to go look at AD's big head in the clippings. Please do. <laughs> not it's big. hilarious. You don't need to Google him anymore. We've all Googled Courtney's name enough. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, you're, I can't be more proud of you, man. Just keep yeah. keep doing what you're doing, and uh, when when this stuff happens, uh, we want to know about it, and we'll talk to you again. We've gone super long with you and taken a lot of time, and we War. got we got a couple more guests to get on these last 20 <laughs> minutes. So uh love talking to you, and uh, get back here sometime and let me know when you're here.
2: Oh, for sure. I appreciate y'all, man. Thank hey. you so much. Let's, I appreciate this conversation. Hey, we'll love see you family. soon, brother. <laughs> I love you, man. Peace.
0: You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit com.